the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of Sideline Sanity. Please hit subscribe. We'd love to have you listen every day. We touch on all kinds of topics, and today's is really interesting. If you're religious, if you're not religious, if you are a person of faith, if you are not a person of faith, there's a documentary out called Irreligious Nation, narrated by Kevin Sorbo. You may know that, that name, directed by his wife, Sam Sorbo, and she is our guest today. But not only do we talk about faith or lack of faith and religion in various forms, we talk about education as well. And she has a rather controversial take on what makes for a good education for a child. And it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, she is a force and she has opinions that you are bound to disagree with and some that you are probably going to agree with. Either way, fascinating conversation. Sam Sorbo is next. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Sam, it is great to have you. And I was fascinated immediately just after watching the trailer for Irreligious Nation. And I, 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 because I've had so many questions myself. And frankly, it's disheartening to me to see religion sort of becoming less a part of American life. You've asked some really important questions in this film. To you, what was the most important question to get answered? Uh, well, in the, in the documentary, the important question is, is faith even necessary? But I, I want to push back. I think we have to watch the language that we use that we're thinking that religion is somehow lessening in our culture. And what I want to point out to people is religion is not lessening. There's a war of worldviews. There's a war of religions and there's another religion that's winning. And that's the danger, because this other religion, this religion of unforgiveness, this religion of totalitarianism, this religion of government, if you will, this this uh, religion that masquerades as irreligion, as being not a religion, right? Just because you call it a non-religion doesn't mean that it's not a religion. Just because you have, quote unquote, no God, because there isn't a God that you've identified as God, doesn't mean you don't have a God. Your God is, for instance, money or power or your job. Like you worship something. And so that is a great point. That is a, no, that is a fabulous point. Um, And because for so many people, you're right. Government is sort of replacing God as the answer for many people. Is that what you're saying? 
Well, yeah, I mean, we all went to government schools. So we learned to worship government in government schools. This is, this is like my strongest contention is there is no such thing as a non-religious school. They're all religious. They all preach one religion or another. And so we should be very careful how we're edu- how we're quote educating our children because the religion of the day in our schools currently is this this weird gender gender uh, uh fluid uh marxist um you know CRT LGBT whatever that's its own religion mm. and and so you know i i mean i would love to see a court case be you know defending this idea that um that government schools are religious schools and therefore the government should back out of our schools entirely should not be involved in our education system whatsoever. And of course, the reason that I say that is because there's a huge conflict of interest with the government running the schools. You're, you're not wrong. Uh, You're right. And, and and that's a topic we delve into quite a bit on this show because I'm, I'm, I believe that parents really do need to have much more say, much more choice in where they send their kids, where the taxpayer dollars are going, et cetera, or just take the government out of it altogether and don't tax for education and let people just find their own way. Um, and that is a fascinating point. I'm glad you started with that. So, so faith. So the documentary, let's get to that. If, if this irreligious nation is, is in existence, what did you find through going to Israel, going to the holy sites, and asking some of the questions that you asked? Yeah, well, you know, we we were all going on a journey. I'd never been to Israel. My family had never been. Kevin actually had just gone to, to film a documentary before we took this trip. So, so at the time that we planned the whole thing, he had also never been. And then I met the Kakadis, and they were looking to reconnect their family that that as their as their kids grew into teenagers their family grew this disconnect with each other and so they were hoping that maybe by rediscovering a little bit about their faith they might be able to reconnect as a family which is absolutely true um it, it worked for them uh to a large degree and so when we started thinking about putting together this documentary that was that was sort of the the um the guiding factor in that what happened on the journey. And this is what I think makes the, makes the documentary so interesting for people is because when you're watching, you get to live vicariously through the lives and the experiences of the people on the trip who are just a collection of regular people who decided that they wanted to know a little bit more about their faith, about the historiosity of their faith, about the, the actuality of what they purport to believe. Right. And so, the idea that that we can have and forgive me this is this is the drum that i beat the the idea that we can have a system of so-called education that ignores the best history book that we have which is the bible it's the very best history book that we have and our system of education ignores it at its own peril and so we grow up and even in the church you know they teach kids that jonah was a tomato um, that Noah was just some guy and he got two of every animal, which, excuse me, why, why two of every animal? If there are that many genders, uh, why, <laughs> why were there only two on the ark? Um, right. And so like we, and we, we create these fairy tales out of the Bible 
And then we go through K through 12. So 13 years of indoctrination that ignores the Bible, just ignores it, full stop. Just like, well, that's just fairy tales. We'll ignore it. So all of these people are coming to Israel going, is the Bible really true? Is it, is it really valuable? Does it really make sense? You know, and what we discovered was, holy smokes, this is the real deal. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us kind of, it got its, it got its talons in us in, in, in a, in a visceral way. When, when you walk where Jesus walked, when you, when you touch the stone, you know, I mean, it's just, it's real. You know, my husband did a, um, a documentary over there and he got to stand where Pilate stood and asked the crowd, which of these two do you want to convict? And the crowd chose Jesus as opposed to Barabbas. Um, he, he stood there. Like it becomes, it becomes surreal. It becomes super real. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then you have to question, what am I doing in this life? Not taking this more seriously. And, and so that's what I'm hoping that people glean a little bit from the documentary enough to get them to, I don't know, crack their Bibles more, go to church, maybe a little bit more, like invest a little bit more. And the reason for that is Christianity preaches forgiveness. It's, it's the foundational tenet of our religion. It's, it's the reason, right? The other religion that we're up against today is unforgiveness. Mm. It's eternal slavery that you cannot right your wrongs. And we mm. all wrong. We all do. We all do bad things. We all do evil. We all make mistakes. Make mistakes. We all make mistakes. The idea that you can't fix a mistake is slavery. Mm. Uh, you know what? I want to delve into that more. Quick break. Sam Sorbo, our guest. Irreligious Nation is the documentary. You can see it on Salem Now. More with Sam after this. Mother's Day gifts are sort of hard to focus in on. I'm going to make it really easy for you. I'm a mom and I know what I'm asking for. And I think I can tell you that any mom would appreciate the gift of Genucel. Genucel.com is where you're going to find all my favorite skincare products. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. Every mom loves to take care of herself, loves a moment of relaxation. And when they get results like the ones that Genucel produces, they're going to feel really good about things. Um, This is formulated by a pharmacist with quality ingredients. The products are designed to ensure to diminish fine lines and wrinkles and prevent new ones from coming. Uh, It's skin nourishing antioxidants, powerful peptides in a proprietary base, and it's made right here in the USA. One of my favorites is the deep firming serum with stem cell, stem cell technology. You just put it right on your cleansed skin and you feel like your skin all immediately is fresher, plumper, brighter. And right now you can save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package. It features Genucel's Ultra Retinol that contains a powerful retinol alternative. Safe on pregnancies, safe for breastfeeding. You'll also receive Genucel's Dark Spot Corrector to reduce the appearance of dark marks and sunspots from the long summer days outside that we're going to be enjoying. Plus, you'll still get Genucel's classic under-eye bags therapy for those annoying under-eye bags and puffiness. And with its immediate effects, see results in as little as 12 hours guaranteed 
or your money back. So what do you have to lose? Don't wait. Celebrate your favorite mom by going to genucell.com slash Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, to save over 70% off their most popular package. Plus, every package includes a luxury gift box with three free springtime essentials. So that's three free gifts plus concierge shipping for a limited time. So go to genucell.com. G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Michelle, Genucel dot com slash Michelle with one L and save over 70%. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So this eternal slavery that you talk about, its this is a fascinating touch point. We see it so much, and I, I'm not sure how we got here, Sam, but if you make a mistake, as you said, and, and and it's interesting to me because people like to boast, oh, America's the most forgiving nation on earth. All you have to do is admit your mistake and we'll give you a second chance. That has not always been, it's not always the case. It really depends on where, what your mistake is and who you are, whether or not people want to forgive. Um, so, I just want you to go a little deeper into this eternal slavery that we're existing. And and, and I'd love to get your take on how we got here. So, and I say eternal slavery and I, I mean it both in the metaphysical, but also just in the, in the, in the real realm uh, of every day, like you're going to live out your sin. You're going to live out your, your guilt every day, unless you can get absolved, unless you can find some, some form of redemption. And how we got here is there is a war of worldview and the other worldview holds that you can be held accountable at any time for any of your misdoings um, for any reason by anybody and uh, that there is no salvation. Their, their salvation is in government and, um, and unfortunately they control the schools. (laughs) So, so there we are, right? So, you can be forgiven, although it's not really absolution. It's there's, there's, a, there's an allowance for misdoings if the misdoings don't contradict the narrative. But if they contradict the narrative, then you will be held accountable and you will be made to pay. And you will be forced to pay so that everybody else knows that they will be held accountable and they will be made to pay so that we all live in fear. See, part of the, part of the, the, the joy of Christianity is your fear is gone. Your fear is relieved when you, when you understand the redemption that exists. Then your fear evaporates and you can live a life without fear. And of course, fear is enslavement also, right? Mm-hmm. If you, if you're too afraid to move or to do anything, then you have to do the things that are prescribed. You're enslaved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
So it's, it's it, I mean, it's a really grand equation and it's very, you know, spiritual, but uh, if, if you delve into it at all, you'll find that what I'm saying is true. Well, it's amazing that we founded this country on Judeo-Christian values and that, you know, innocent until proven guilty, all of these kinds of notions that were prior to, to the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, all of that, had not been codified anywhere else, really. And, and, and here we find ourselves now in a very unforgiving, where a former Speaker of the House actually said that a former president had a chance to prove his innocence. That's not what we do in this country. Nancy Pelosi said that about uh, Donald Trump, the former president. He can, he has a chance to prove his innocence. No, that's not what we do here. We are innocent until proven guilty. So I wonder what the design is behind this. Like for instance, are there, is Nancy Pelosi, for example, in this example of the ilk that, she would live under different standards. And so it's okay for her to apply this standard to somebody else, but she'll be okay because she's on the right side of the, the what she perceives as the correct side of the narrative. I, I'm wondering how this starts because if, if we are equal under the law, she too would, if facing uh, some sort of prosecution would have to prove her innocence, it, which is not the way we work here. So I don't understand why, this is happening to begin with, like why people are applying different standards to different people. I, I, that was very circuitous, but I think you get what I mean. I do. I, I totally understand what you mean. And I'm going to go out on a limb because I haven't, um, I, I haven't worked this out in this fashion before, but, um, when I was st- studying acting, the, the, the rubric that we worked with was that every scene was one of two things. It was either a love scene or a power scene. And if it's a love scene, then you're trying to get love from the other person. If it's a power scene, you just want power over them. And then you, you work within that rubric and it makes it, it it helps you break down the scene and it, it, it works. Okay. And what I, what I discovered is it works in real life too. So you have power people and you have people who want love. And the people who want love tend not to exert a whole lot of power uh, in in nefarious ways. But the people who want power, they just want power. And they're willing to do whatever. So if I was playing an evil woman, I I was very concentrated on just doing whatever it took to win. And that's what these, that's, I think, what these people, they've been possessed by this power um, equation as opposed to the equation of love. Um, which is sort of the difference between the two worldviews that we're talking about. Yeah. One is a worldview of love. Uh, love thy neighbor as thyself. Love God. Not in that order. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other, the other worldview is a worldview of power. And so as long as Nancy Pelosi can remain in power, she doesn't fear for the misdoings that she does. And she can apply the power rubric of, well, he can prove his innocence. To the to the Spanish Inquisition, <laughs> right? So so that's that's where we are. And what we have to understand is when this nation was founded, most of the people um, adhered to the Judeo Christian ethic, which was the Ten Commandments and the Love God, Love Your Neighbor as Yourself, um, the 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 Golden Rule, so to speak. Well, we've been trading since since we took. When we took the Bible out of schools, we didn't actually take religion out of schools. We supplanted the Christian religion with 
the uh, religion of power, with the Marxist religion. And so we've been educating, not educating, but, you know, schooling children in Marxism all this time. And the reason that I can say that so so easily is because we teach evolution as if it's science and we don't teach creation. So we ignore spirituality. Michelle, even the even the pagans believed in the spirit world, right? But not us. We know so much more. We're materialistic and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. In our school system. And so we teach children to ignore the spirituality, but we teach them evolution as science. Mm-hmm an unproven theory as science and and that science devolves into survival of the fittest which is bullying so we're teaching children that bullying is the proper order of the universe but don't bully <laughs> so you know where you go from there i'm i'm not sure like where you go from there is is exactly what we're seeing today. In fact, I just read, so I'm very big into the homeschool everything. Mm-hmm. And I just read a thing where a, a woman wrote, you know, you, your child doesn't have to do homework. Just because the teacher insists on homework, they're not allowed to actually include homework in your child's grade because it's outside of school. And I've said for years, you know, why are we accepting them sending home work with the child. I work an eight, I work a nine to five job. I don't bring my work home with me. Why should I expect my child who's a child to go to school for seven and a half hours and then come home with work? And not only that, but it makes me the substitute teacher. I have to stand over my child with my finger pointing saying, you have to get your work done. So it sets up this whole, it's just, it's terrible. But this woman actually took it one step further and said, you know, you don't have to do the work. You can opt out of the testing. Why are you allowing yourselves to be bullied in this manner? And the reason that we allow ourselves to be bullied is we grew up, all of us went K through 12, 13 years of bully indoctrination. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, And so now we are indoctrinated. We are a nation that is, in a sense, irreligious in that aspect. That's really interesting. you know, when people see the trailer, there's really some compelling moments. Um, you see Bill Maher talking to an atheist and that the the notion of th- this idea or religion of atheism is growing. What do you think of that? And the gentleman says it's about time. I I tend to note in my own experience, this is purely anecdotal, that the people that I know well those who have faith, those who have religion in their lives, I shouldn't say religion, because again, you made a really great point to start us out that people who are people of faith, uh, particularly Christians, Jews that I know, are generally very happy people. And people who are atheists or non-believers or live by this other religion of, you know, the left, I'll just call it the left, uh, are not so happy. And, and I just, I, I just kind of wonder where do you, where do you think we are? I mean, wh- what's the balance right now? And, and, and why is the left winning in so many cases? I like that you say they're not so happy. I'd go so far as to say they're miserable. <laughs> um, why is the left winning? Because they have seized the levers of power. So they have the media. So they make us think, you know, Michelle, I'm not even sure that we are like 50-50 as a nation now between Republicans and Democrats. 
I know a lot of Democrats who are Democrat in name only. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of Republicans who are Republican in name only too, but the Democrats, I don't know that they actually believe what their platform seems to hold. Mm-hmm. And yet because of the media, you know, we are sold on a number of lies. I think that because it, 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 uh, it makes them more powerful if they appear larger. And so they appear larger to us. Hmm. Um, and, That's and because we are, let's see, you know, we're used to the power struggle, uh, from school, we kind of succumb to the, 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 this, you know, they grow, they're like, Oh, we're, we're the big guy. And, and so we go, Oh, okay, well then I'll just be quiet. Yeah. But also, you know, we're taught in school. We are trained to be cowards. We're trained to not stand out. We're trained to conform. And so far be it for somebody to stand up and say, why are you doing that with children in our schools? Or why are you just, just, even the the smallest things, we wouldn't stand up to them because we were trained not to. Mm-hmm. You sit, look, our children are innately curious, right? They're very curious, age two, age three, age four, nothing but questions. They go to school. What's the first thing they learn to do in school that they have to do? They have to sit down and be quiet. Mm. And if they want to ask a question, which, excuse me, do they want to ask a question? Yes, all the time. They can't. They have to raise their hand to ask a question. They have to ask permission first before they're allowed to, to just be themselves. They, they have to ask permission. And that's child abuse in my book. To force a, lot, a child to can sit I, there can and I just Can I push back a little bit on that and ask you, because yeah. I, I, this is interesting to me. There has to be some sort of order in a classroom, doesn't there? And there has to be some sort yes. of process by which you, you keep some sort of sanity within the room of four and five-year-olds and that not everyone's screaming their questions at the same time. So right. where do, do, where do you draw the line between that, that order and that discipline and w- what you're saying is bullying? Okay. Uh, where do I draw the line? Well, here's the thing. Do they have to have order in the classroom? Absolutely. I concede that point. Do children have to be in a classroom? No. Huh? So that's the choice. So it's their problem that they have to bully the children. But that's not my problem. Hmm. My my paradigm is keep the kids with the parents because the parents are really the, the people who are best enabled to look out for the welfare of the children. And if we if we look at what's happening in our schools today, I mean I just I just posted a story in um the state of Washington in a in a public school. They had a licking contest. Yeah, I saw that. Where they matched up adults with children on either side of plexiglass and yeah. had them lick the plexiglass. Like, come on, folks. This, it, but this is why you're sending your child into an institution all day. Like, they, you don't know what else they're doing with the kid. This is just the thing that we just discovered. Yeah. yeah. And this has been going on for I don't even know how long. And so, you know, but that's why they have to bully the children. So how about we just don't give our children to the bullies? Mm. It, it is fascinating stuff. Um, Sam, what's your biggest reason, if you will, wh- when you went to make this, this documentary, 
What do you want people to come away with? Why would you want, why would someone want to go see this documentary and come away with what? Well, in other words, what is your main motivation yeah. for, for having people see this and, and dig in? Yeah, well, it's a very good question. And, and of course it pertains to why I do anything, right? Why look, I mean, I'm on the, I'm on the front lines of trying to get kids out of school and get them homeschooled um, because there is so much good that comes of that and so much evil that exists within the system. Um, why we made this film because there's so much good in Christianity and in this connection to our faith and so much evil outside of it. And so it's a battle of good versus evil. What I'm hoping that people take from the film is, is um, that they open their hearts a little bit more to wrestling with their faith or getting some faith because you, we talked about slavery. We talked about fear. Um, you can allay a lot of the fear and you can live a happier life with faith than, than you'll ever tap into without it. Hmm. I mean, that's, and that's foundationally that, that makes for a healthier society, a happier society. And we can all, you know, get along more. And maybe we'll have less war too, because people won't be so fearful and so power mongering, um, perhaps, or at least we'll be able to stand up to the power mongers more because we'll be more convicted in truth. So it's, it's all about, it really is all about fighting for truth. Hmm. And, um, yeah. And, 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 and because you were on this, love each other more. Well, we could use a lot more of that, couldn't we? I, I'm curious about, Again, the homeschooling issue, it certainly seems to be growing in popularity in America. But there are a lot of parents who work full time and, and can't necessarily homeschool. What would you tell those parents? How, how would you help direct them to a way that they can not have their kids in government schools and, and, you know, produce a happy, healthy, well-educated child? So in school, we're not taught priorities. In fact, in school, we're kind of taught, make a pros and cons list. That's become very popular. And a pros and cons list really is an invitation of chaos. It's just a bunch of pros and a bunch of cons. And then you're like looking back and forth and trying to figure it out. What we really ought to teach is priorities. And um, when you prioritize, then things become very clear. So I encourage parents to prioritize their children and then make decisions based on that. In school, the priority that we're taught is college prep and career readiness. So we have 13 years of indoctrination that college prep and career readiness is really the only way to go. Therefore, you have to go to college. Why? To get a better career. Why? Well, what's a better career? Money. Oh, okay. So your self-worth is tied entirely to money. So yeah, I understand that parents think that they need two jobs in order to make enough money. But what is enough money? When the life of your child is at stake, you have to prioritize. And I would invite parents to recalibrate their priorities because there isn't a tombstone that says, I wish I spent more time at the office. And we really ought to reconsider the priorities that have been sort of in, inserted into us by 13 years of this indoctrination that it's all about your education and your job. And, and that's, that's just an important distinction. Um, that said, 
The other thing that I have to point out is that education is not seven and a half hours a day. Very clearly not. And that this idea of homework is even sort of, you know, overlaying that, that education is like 12 hours a day. It absolutely isn't. And in fact, when it's not coerced, which it is in schools, it's much less than that. Mm-hmm. It's like three hours a day, two hours a day, one hour a day for the parent and then maybe a few more hours for the kid to get stuff done to learn. But the thing is that children are innately curious. We kill their curiosity inside the school, in the institution. If you don't kill that curiosity, they will learn everything. Hmm. Just try to stop them. <laughs> so your job as the parent is just put some guide rails on, point them in the right direction, and encourage them. And then they will learn everything And I mean, I've known parents who worked full-time and home-educated their kids from very young. They just, they made accommodations. They made it work. There are ways to make it work and not saddle your child with all the burdens of what's happening in the schools today. And I really encourage parents. And by the way, samsorbo.com, I have all the information that you could possibly want there. I wrote a book called um, The Playbook for Home Learning, where I walk the parents through what education should be because what they're doing in schools today and what was done to us is not education. It's schooling and it's completely different. And so we have to recalibrate, rethink what we, what our intentions are for our children, what education should look like for them and how best to guide them um, to, to go into the world. Right. Um, and that's something that we're not accomplishing in our schools full stop. So you know, the agree, choice is there. Agree with you there 100%. I do think that we are going through some sort of revolution in education in America right now. And it's, I, I think, so. I, I think it's, it's, it's just started here in the last few years, but I think it's growing. And I think there are so many, there are so many ways to do it. And this is really fascinating. Sam Sorbo, what a pleasure to have you. Uh, the film is Irreligious Nation. And again, all of her other resources at samsorbo.com. What a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Don't forget salemnow.com for, for Irreligious Nation. Got to give the link, right? Salemnow.com. Amen. We'll have that, uh, Everywhere available for people to to connect to on our, all our social platforms, et cetera. Sam, thank you again, everyone. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, and, and Sam alluded to this in so many different ways. As I always say, be brave and do good. Thanks for listening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.